This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, was described by his wife, Queen Elizabeth, as my strength and stay. At 99 years old, just a couple of months shy of his 100th birthday, he died on Friday. In this episode of Squish Shortcuts, we take you through his early years, his bumpy transition to the Queen's consort, and the formalities around his funeral. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Simone Zaziaris. And I'm Claire Kimball. Let's start at the beginning, Claire. And Prince Philip was born in 1921 in Corfu in Greece. He was the fifth child and only son of Prince Andrew of Greece and Denmark and Princess Alice of Battenberg. His father's family were descendants of the Danish aristocracy and they were placed on the Greek throne in 1863. That's a whole story, but we won't go into that today. His mother was the great-granddaughter of Queen Victoria and she was born in Windsor Castle and spent a good part of her childhood in the UK. Yeah, long story short, things didn't go well for Prince Andrew and Princess Alice in Greece. And after a coup in 1922, the family were forced into exile when Philip was 15 months old. They went to Paris and they were settled into what was described as modest circumstances. But to cultivate the family's connections to the aristocracy in Britain, Philip was sent to school in Hampshire between 1928 and 1933. There, his mother's family, the Mountbattens, became something of a stabiliser for him, especially after his mother's hospitalisation for schizophrenia in 1930. He was just nine years old when that happened and we could do a whole other shortcut on Princess Alice because she's quite an interesting figure. But moving on, Philip's schooling proceeded at two elite but quite unorthodox schools. The first was near the Bavarian Alps and it taught a liberality of mind uh, as well as focusing on a really rugged outdoors sort of life. The Nazis were growing in influence in Germany during that time and it forced its Jewish founder to flee. He started a new school in Scotland and Philip followed. Yeah, in 1939, Philip left school and at 18 years old, he entered the Royal Naval College. He graduated top of his class, having received commendations, including as best cadet, and then came World War II, when Philip served around the world, he saw action in the Mediterranean in 1941. He was also present to witness history. He was there when the Japanese surrendered at Tokyo Bay. Claire, Philip was 18 years old when he first met a very young Elizabeth, who was just 13. It was during a visit to the Royal Naval College, an encounter that was engineered by his uncle, Louis Mountbatten. You say Louis Mountbatten like he's just some sort of bloke, but he was an earl. He was Philip's uncle. And during his life, lifetime, he was Admiral of the Fleet amongst many other distinguished roles before he was assassinated by the IRA in 1979. Prince Louis, William and Kate's third born is named in honour of him anyway. Uh, He was a very influential figure in royal circles and by the sounds of things, a pretty successful matchmaker. Yeah, as history shows. Continuing his naval service after the war, Philip also ran in royal circles and it seems a 
Mitten Elizabeth had decided that he was husband material, they became engaged in 1946, something that was kept secret until the following year. Her father, King George VI, was adamant that Elizabeth's engagement should not be announced before her 21st birthday. So that's how that went down. There was also some personal admin that Philip had to attend to. He acquired British citizenship and a new surname, Mountbatten. He also had to convert to the Church of England, having been baptised in the Greek Orthodox Church. The way was clear for the wedding on November 20th, 1947, and it was the biggest national occasion since the war. As you could imagine, it was celebrated with pomp and pageantry. Philip took a desk job at the Admiralty, the government department that administers the Royal Navy, and Prince Charles was born a year after the wedding. They, of course, went on to have three more children, Anne, Andrew and Edward. And in 1949, Philip was sent to sea again. He was based in Malta and Elizabeth joined him there. There, their lives were relatively normal. They were just like any other sort of young service couple with kids. Uh, So they had expected to live that kind of semi-private life for another couple of decades. But Elizabeth's father, the king, fell ill in 1949. And in February 1952, he died of lung cancer at the age of just 56 years old. Philip and Elizabeth were on tour in Kenya when this all happened. Philip's friend and assistant, Mike Parker, said he looked as if he'd drop half the world on him. And that's probably because, Claire, their lives had changed in an instant. Let's get into that next. Philip was 30 years old and Elizabeth just 25 when she became queen. He gave up a promising naval career to be the queen's consort, a role Claire that carries no constitutional significance. Yep, it was quite an adjustment from the life that they'd expected and particularly challenging for Philip because he was excluded from his wife's governmental duties. His only job was to be there to support her and by all accounts Philip could have become a very senior part of the Navy off his own bat and for a man of ability and ambition to head off into a life that was just ceremony must have been a very difficult transition. Yeah and right from the start the honorifics came in thick and fast which meant he had many representative roles with charities and the like. The London Times references a story from 1962 at a charity luncheon where he represented the host, he was also the honoured guest and he also represented the beneficiary charity. That meant he had to give and receive the welcome address and then present himself with a check. <laughs> and shows like The Crown have fictionalised that time and certainly there was a lot of gossip around as well. But he apparently found a place where he could let his hair down called the Thursday Club. It was an all-male drinking and dining get-together with other high-flying war veterans. And there were rumours about the club being a launch pad for affairs, although nothing was ever substantiated. Oh yeah, the wagging tongues. And there were also reports, of course, of clashes within the palace with Philip keen to unpick very old ways of doing things. His forthright manner was said to make things worse. And that's a point that comes through behind closed doors and in the public. He was known to be a strong-minded, inquiring man, sometimes a bit testy and on occasion very direct. Direct is one way of putting it. There were some very humorous moments, but also ones that caused offence. He once told a group of British students heading off on a trip to China not to stay too long because they'd get slitty eyes, was the quote. And he also asked Indigenous dancers on a visit here to Oz if they still threw spears at each other. There's a bit of context to that story, and certainly the men who were involved in that say they didn't take offence because of the context, but we'll leave that one there. Mm, His defender's point 
to the good work he did, not just in the UK, but around the world. Indeed. And in the 1950s, he set up the Duke of Edinburgh's award scheme, which recognises young people for taking part in volunteering expeditions and also developing personal interests. The scheme still operates and around 8 million young people around the world have taken part from 132 different countries. He was also committed to conservation and was the first president of the World Wildlife Fund in 1961. Yeah, Philip continued working hard into his 90s, carrying out 300 engagements a year at an age when most of us, Claire, probably would have retired by. It was not until August 2017, when he was 96, that he finally stepped down from official duties. And there were some health issues that arose over the last decade or so, the last of which was a heart operation in March uh, after he'd been admitted to hospital from feeling unwell in February. He was discharged from hospital on March 16, when he was said to be in good spirits. Since then, reports say the Queen has tried to spend as much time with him as she could. The palace says he died peacefully on Friday morning at Windsor Castle. He was 99 years old and just two months shy of his 100th birthday on June 10. Let's take a look at the reaction and what comes next. Claire, with Philip's death comes the time to roll out Operation Fourthbridge. There's protocol to follow when someone in the royal family dies and each senior member is given their own code name. It's always a bridge and it describes the respective procedures. Yeah, Philip's funeral plan is named after the Fourth Bridge in Edinburgh, the city of his dukedom. And the plan follows everything from the announcement of his death through to the funeral itself. The UK enters a period of national mourning and there's various procedures that take place as part of that including all union flags being lowered to half-mast on royal buildings where the Queen is not in residence. There were also official gun salutes across the UK, also in Gibraltar uh, and from warships at sea. Yeah, and the Queen and her family will also enter an official period of mourning. That's expected to last eight days and will lift the day after his funeral. During this time, most engagements will be either postponed or cancelled. However, that, of course, is at the Queen's discretion. And to the funeral, those plans have to be amended because of the coronavirus restrictions currently in place in England. The funeral will take place at St George's Chapel in Windsor, not at Westminster Cathedral in London. That's taking place at 3pm on Saturday local time, which is midnight Sunday Australian Eastern Standard Time. At that time, there will be a national minute silence. Only 30 people will attend his funeral. That includes Prince Harry, who returns from Los Angeles without Meghan. Uh, So that means that members of the public are unable to attend or gather nearby due to the pandemic. It also means it won't be a state funeral, but that has nothing to do with COVID. No, that's in line with his wishes. He wanted something low-key, as much as the Queen apparently wants him to be honoured with all the trimmings of a state funeral. Philip will not lie in state either. That's the display of a body for public tribute before it's buried or cremated. And that's also not in line with usual protocols. No, but his body will lie at rest at Windsor Castle until the funeral. Philip will be interred then at St George's Chapel and his remains will be kept in the royal vault beneath the chapel until the Queen dies. And then they will be buried together in the George VI Memorial Chapel, which is within St George's. 
Claire, in line with Philip's sense of humour, apparently he used to take great amusement in the fact that many of those who had been involved in the planning of his funeral had themselves died before him. Yep, that's what living until almost 100 will get you. (laughs) He may be gone, but the royal family trundles on. The title of Duke of Edinburgh will eventually pass to Philip's youngest son, the Earl of Wessex, but not until after the death of the Queen. For the moment, it passes to the Prince of Wales as Philip's eldest son. As for his legacy, he'll be remembered as Queen Elizabeth's primary support system. Prince Charles said of his father that he'd want to be remembered in his own right, but he said his energy was astonishing in supporting my mama and doing it for such a long time and in some extraordinary way being able to go on doing it for so long. Yeah, 73 years was a long time to be married, let alone in these circumstances. As for the Queen, the world's oldest and longest reigning living monarch, there's little chance she'll be giving up the throne in light of Philip's death. Yeah, and what royal experts say is because she became monarch after her father died, that's how she wants to pass it on to her eldest son, Prince Charles. But we'll wait and see, I guess. Yeah, and as the Queen once put it, Claire, it's a job for life. That's your shortcut to the life and death of Prince Philip. On to our recommendations. Prince Philip was worshipped as a god by those living on the Vanuatu island of Tana. It's expected they'll transfer their spiritual allegiance to Charles now. I've got a link to an article that unpacks how that came to be. It's pretty interesting. It's so random. (laughs) Yeah, it's so random. (laughs) And like other members of the royal family, Philip liked to drink. It was said that his favourite was Boddington's beer. So if you feel like raising a glass to him, I've got a link where you can source some of that. Uh, On a more serious note, I've also got a link to very detailed funeral plans from the BBC, all sorts of graphs about where people are walking and when and at what time and why. So lots of, even though it's lower key, still lots of um, procedures to be followed there. Yeah, you're really covering all ground there, Claire. (laughs) Thanks for listening in. If you like what you've heard, please tell people about our shortcuts. You could also leave us a review or share a link on social media. Just spreading the word helps us to grow. Plenty more episodes for you to have a listen to as well. So get onto that. Until next time.